Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Good morning, Roxy Soxy. Good morning, Tam. Tam, how are you? We say good morning when it's like fucking 6 p.m. <laughs> because we always upload our episodes like at two in the morning. Oh, is that why? Everybody that in the why? morning, even though we're always shooting at night. I know. I said to Sean, I was like, doesn't it feel like Groundhog Day every single day? And he's like, that's so negative. I'm like, how is that negative? Is that not reality and the actual yes. truth? <laughs> yes, yes. It is literally reality. Although we do have a change. My daughter is going to be going back to school. I know. I'm kind of jealous. I'm kind of jealous. It makes me anxious thinking about it. I'm jealous. I know. I'm a little, I got to say, I'm a little excited. She went for her orientation today and was out of the mm-hmm. house for two hours. And we have not been away from her like this entire time. I know. So it was Can't like- drop we, her anywhere. <laughs> I know. We were just like, wait, she's on the house. We can like say whatever we want, do what, you know- for the next did you have hours. sex? We did not. I forgot oh, to do it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I That's would have been like, bye kids, bye one. kids. I would have been like, oh, wicked, wow, wow. And my husband would have been like, this is so stressful. Like never good. Go. Swinging from the chandelier. Like, let's do I would have been like, yeah. I would have like had my whole outfit on. My husband would have been freaked out. He would have gone like completely to the other room and then left in the car. <laughs> you know what I should have done actually during that time is I should have given myself a facial. I should have done like a little spa sesh, you know, yeah. that would have been like a good use of my time. Cause I could have yeah. like done some work, got some pimple. Even- I'm super excited today. We have like, she is like a multi-hyphenate. I mean, she is mm-hmm. a badass. She is an esthetician. She is mm-hmm. a female business owner. She forged her way through a very saturated business, made a name for herself. She takes Mm -hmm. care of the faces of people like Demi Lovato and Lily Reinhardt. I mean, she is at the top of the game and um, she just has a lot of life experience and just, Mm -hmm. she's, she's just led a very, very interesting life. So I'm super excited to talk to her today. We have Renee Rouleau. Welcome. 
Oh, did I? I also should mention she and my husband went to high school together. <laughs> I thought you were going to say dated. I was like, that's I awkward. They probably did. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, Renee, now's the time to tell me. I know. Oops. <laughs> that one party at Hamlet's house. Right. I had no clothes on. <laughs> I love it so much. I love it. We're super excited to have you, Renee. How's everything in Austin? Everything's great. Yeah. I mean, I've lived here for almost six years. Oh. Um, came, I was in Dallas for 19 years prior to, but Austin's amazing. It was just such a good decision to move here. A little life change, you know, spice things up a little bit, but Austin is where all the cool kids are. It's well, please very... t- well, cause yes. I'm here, right? Roxy? Yeah, yeah, of exactly. course. Exactly. Please tell me where to go and what to see and like who to, cause I, I had a facialist in LA for 19, well, 15 years. And I've been here now for two months and I'm breaking out like crazy. Like you can tell I've all, it's probably stress, you know, it's mask knee. Yeah. It's whatever. But I'm oh, like, I don't even know where real. to go, who to see. It's just like a bit of a disaster over here. Yeah, I don't get skin treatments too often these days, but um, but yeah, I can I can DM you a couple. I mean, I can message you a couple recommendations of people who I've heard are good and things like that. But I need yeah. the whole skin of my face, the first layer to come off. Yeah, just right. <laughs> just remove it. Just remove it. You take it. So let's take it back a little bit because I there you I have so much to talk to you about. Um, how so you got into this business thirty years ago, you know and. The business at that time was already pretty saturated. So how in the hell did you like carve out this niche for yourself and really create like the brand recognition mission and the name that you have? Yeah. So, I mean, but let me correct you on that. 30 oh. years ago, it actually was, no one even knew what an esthetician was. It wasn't until like mm. a good 10 years later that it became a little more saturated. But mm. when I first became an esthetician, like I didn't, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't really a popular profession, you know, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of for like ladies who lunch, you know, women that just had money to spend and just had time on their hands. It wasn't because at the time, if you had real skin issues, you would see a dermatologist, right? Mm-hmm. So estheticians were painted as just kind of like, you know, dermatologists mm-hmm. would say, well, yeah, if you just want to go take a little nap and kind of get your skin a little rubbed on or a little moisturized, yeah, mm-hmm. go see an esthetician. But otherwise, we're the ones that handle skin. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting because last night I did an Instagram live from a really amazing uh, dermatologist, uh, Dr. Joshua Zeichner, and he asked mm-hmm. me to do an IG live with him. And I mentioned to him, I said, you know, this is such a big honor because our profession was frowned upon back Mm -hmm. in the late 80s. Like it wasn't a thing. And to now fast forward 30 years and have this, you know, really amazing dermatologist who's well-renowned asking me to do an Instagram live. It was just such an honor. So, yeah. So back then um, it was really seen as fluffy and we also Mm. didn't have, you know, we had a steam machine, you know, we had our hands, but like, you know, fast forward today, you know, we have access to all these, you know, modalities that can really create positive change in the skin, but it was pretty basic back then. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I just, um, you know, my grandmother was a hairstylist and she used to own her own hair salon called the powder puff beauty shop. And I grew Mm -hmm. up in that environment and, you know, beauty was always in my blood and college was not my path. And, you know, they always say, you know, find out, you know, figure out what your passion is, is and find a way to make money doing it. And when I heard there was a profession where people would let me squeeze and pick their zits, I was like, you mean <laughs> people will pay me to do this? Cause I was always like the picker, you know, huh. and anyone, my brother, if he'd have like a blemish on his back, I'm like, hold still, let me get that. And, 
to find out I could actually make a career doing that was amazing. So you were like the OG pimple popper. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's like my worst possible thing is thinking about popping someone's pimple. Like I could actually almost vomit in my mouth if I oh, thought about I it. Mean, I How, mean, why did it excite you? To be well, it's just immediate gratification, right? It's just like there's something under there. Mm -hmm. You release it, done, check, check the box. Like it's just, it's great. But now, I mean, and I won't even get into it, but I mean, a few of the stories for that I've had with that through the years is less than appetizing. So please, can you please tell us one of the stories? One of the, yes, yeah. Uh, you don't right. have to tell us the, well, actually do tell us the worst. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. So, Trigger warning. If anybody has exactly. a good stomach. Yeah. Which is me. So I should just bring a bucket right next to me I just know, in case. Right. Well, Probably my most memorable uh -huh. was I, I mean, it's happened probably more than once, I'm sure. But like when you, when you squeeze someone with a lot of acne and it spits onto your face, oh, it is, God. and all of a sudden you're just like, oh, and you're like wiping your face. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, it, yeah. It's just and that's pus. Fun. That's someone else's. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, it's like it's infection. Not pretty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you yeah. need like actual PPE. I mean, you need like the face shield. Well, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, but also back in the early years, like yeah. we didn't, I mean, we just didn't have, we didn't, we wouldn't wear goggles. I mean, not that I always wear goggles, but like now I, like, I didn't know that you're, you should keep like the magnifying lamp between you and the face that yeah. way mm -hmm. you know but i always had good vision and kind of the magnifying i didn't need that magnification so i always mm. just kind of used it for lighting but not like as a bodyguard between my <laughs> me and their infection what, what causes acne then so you know i i don't think Ro roxy and i grew up with acne i do have a few pimples today from stress I, and hormones yes. but real acne where does that come from? Mm -hmm. So that's the million dollar question. And if mm -hmm. I had the answer for it, you know, I would, I would be even bigger than I was, but the problem is, is, and I work a lot because a lot of my celebrity clients are in their twenties and young twenties. And so I deal a lot with acne and adult acne and in my skincare line, we have a lot of products that are great for that, but it's, um, we don't really know the cause, right? Like it's not as black and white as you can think. So like, for example, some people will go, you know, oh, you know, I think it's from my talking on my phone and it hitting my face or dirty pillowcases, or I think mm. I touch my face a lot or yeah, you know, I don't eat so well, or I mean, if only it were that simple. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just not. And, and, you know, there, I would say that the most kind of black and white it can get is dairy. So without a doubt, if somebody gets like cystic acne, those hard sore nodule cysts on the chin and jawline area, a lot of times it's dairy. So if you cut out the dairy, that can be the cure, right? But mm -hmm. when it's kind of all over the face, it comes once in a while, maybe it's there often, like it's just, sometimes it's a case of bad luck. We know there's a genetic component to it. Mm -hmm. We know that it's people who have oilier skin. Um, we know it's all hormonally triggered, but like, you know, if, if I'm like, oh, it's hormonal breakouts, well, what are you supposed to do about that? Right. I mean, you can get your hormones checked and sometimes you can, you know, go on birth control pills and that might have a positive effect, sometimes a negative effect, you know, sometimes we know it's hormonally based sometimes when people are pregnant, right. Their skin was really clear. They get pregnant and all of a sudden they're breaking out or vice versa. People who always had acne will say, oh my gosh, I'll just keep having kids because my skin is so clear while I'm pregnant. So you know, there's, you know, and there's all sorts of other different reasons why someone 
you know, might get breakouts. But what I will say mm-hmm. is people who eat clean and healthy mm-hmm. can still get breakouts and people who eat junk food can have perfectly clear skin. Right? right. So, so it's kind of like a lot of people put a lot of like, Oh, I'll eat really clean and healthy and I won't break out. Well, that's not always the case either. So part of my job when I'm working with clients and part of my skincare blog that I've had since 2005 is intended to kind of educate, but with clients, I'm always about kind of playing detective. I'm literally like a detective. So throughout a treatment, when I'm giving to a client, I am not the person that if you come to me for a facial or skin treatment, I'm just going to go make you go to sleep for an hour. We are talking the entire time because Mm -hmm. I'm asking you a million questions because it's my job at the end of the treatment to try to see if I can find some tie in Mm -hmm. to why they might break out and make recommendations for what they can do once they leave me and go back Mm -hmm. out to the real world. And so again, dairy is the one that definitely can be a real big trigger, but a lot of times we just don't know, you know, it's just, it's not that easy. It does sound like it's different for each person too. Oh, it's a hundred percent different. Yes. Yeah. And you say that there are like nine different skin types and because usually we hear, okay, you're either oily or you're dry or your combination, but it's never like that detailed. Like it's never like the nine different skin types. So how did you kind of discover that and what is it? Yeah. So what, what makes what makes my skincare line unique is it based on it's based on nine different skin types. So when I became an esthetician, when I went to school, they teach you about dry, normal, and oily skin types, and then also something called Fitzpatrick skin types, which has to do the color of your skin, kind of mm. deeper skin tones, fair, and everything in between. And so I was like, okay, great. I started becoming an esthetician, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, like dry, normal, and oily. Okay, that's you know that might tell me how light or how heavy a cream should be for them, but it doesn't really talk about anything else, right? So breakouts, for example, breakouts are all not equal because one, it could be not all types of breakouts are equal. Cystic breakout, cystic acne is very different than what's called pustular acne, which are the ones that come to the surface, right? Cysts stay down, pus, you know, pustular acne comes out. Also, how often you break out, right? Like a 16-year-old that has acne everywhere is different from someone who's 35 years old and only gets breakouts, two breakouts around their cycle. And you can't treat those the same, right? People with dry skin, you know, can get breakouts and people with oily skin can. And then you, then you throw in, you know, melasma, you know, people get mm-hmm. hyperpigmentation from pregnancy. Post-birth, yeah. That's right. Right. So then you're dealing with that. Then you're dealing with, you know, sunspots, then you're dealing with rosacea. And so there's all these you know, all different types of sensitivity because not mm-hmm. all sensitivity is equal. And so I really realized that the, the skin was just way more complicated than that. So I determined early on that there were nine types of skin. And when I started Renee Rouleau skincare um, in 1996, which is, uh, will be 25 years old in August, mm-hmm. um, I started, I created a skincare line based on those nine skin types. So People can take the skin type quiz at renerelo.com. They're put into one of the nine skin types and they, we have 50 products. They get a curated routine for their skin type. So the net net of that is that it's very specific to the needs of their, of their skin. And so they feel like they're really getting a customized routine that's going to you know, provide solutions, drive results, but very cu- customized. So to this day, Um, I've never added on a 10th skin type. Like I really hit it right with the nine. And that's kind of what makes my line unique is that I'm not, 
not, you know, I'm not one of those brands that, oh, it's for all skin types here. This product mm-hmm. is for all skin types because all skin types aren't equal. When we talk about anti-aging, like Roxy and I are <laughs> getting older <laughs> um, and I just started looking into anti-aging and the procedures that come with anti-aging and you, and it's like a whole new world for me. So I'm in my mid thirties and that's sort of when, I, I mean, Yes, I think in your late 20s, you start to see certain little things happen to your skin. A few crow's feet, um, you know, you lose a bit of elasticity and some collagen. But I think as you start to get into your 30s and mid-30s and then, you know, close to 40, mid-40s, it just starts to rapidly keep going. So now I'm at this point where I'm like, okay, so there's all these procedures which are anti-aging. Which ones actually work? Which ones are so invasive that if you go to the wrong person, you know, can really damage your skin? Like I was thinking maybe just do a topical peel. If you go to the wrong person, I don't know if that's a good thing. You know, at at this point in my life, Roxy's life, what anti-aging treatments should we start to look at? So as an esthetician, I mostly work with skin texture, like the Mm -hmm. actual skin, right? Mm -hmm. So making your pores look, you know, as small as humanly possible, mm-hmm. making fine lines around the eyes look as diminished as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, my job is to, you know, try to help melasma, you know, um, even out hyperpigmentation, help with post-breakout mm-hmm. marks, help with clogged mm-hmm. pores, help with blackheads. So mm-hmm. I'm really, an esthetician is more about the skin. Once you, once you're talking about drop in skin elasticity, you know, you know, um, the, you know, the, the face starting to kind of, uh, look thinner because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have that bed mattress, plumpy bed mattress under the mm-hmm. skin. Then you want to see more of like a cosmetic dermatologist and they do things like obviously fillers, there's Botox, there's mm-hmm. microneedling treatments. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things more in that realm. So, um, yeah. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, skin, skincare. I mean, you need a good skincare routine and that's the Mm -hmm. foundation for everything. Certainly sunscreen, proper application of sunscreen and and having all the knowledge of that will help the actual, the integrity of the skin. But yeah, I mean, I think Botox, I think fillers, um, a lot of people do like the threading now. I don't, Mm -hmm. I've heard kind of good and bad stories about that. Mm -hmm. Um, certainly there's traditional cosmetic surgery for tone, but Mm -hmm. the, the sad part is, is like, you know, for loss of tone, you can't just put a skin cream on and all of a sudden your skin's going to be tight. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so for people looking for, you know, looking more youthful, it's a combination of getting the skin to look as smooth as possible and then adding in some professional treatments that can play a supporting role in your overall look. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting right now. I know Tim and I obviously have both uh, been through pregnancy and had kids. And I know when we were both pregnant, we really kind of discovered this whole like clean beauty sort of mm-hmm. um, product, you know, like everyone's mm-hmm. talking clean beauty and it's such a buzzword and it's sort of thrown all over the place right now, right? Everything is supposed to be clean and natural and all this stuff. So does clean beauty like really exist? Like, is there a hundred percent organic you know, beauty products that are hundred percent clean, or is that just like a term that's being overused? So there are no FDA regulations for when a, when a brand calls themselves natural or clean. I mean, it's all up to interpretation of the brand. Mm -hmm. So I would say that in the past 10 years, people who got ahead of it, they started to remove cruddier ingredients. Let's just call it that more petroleum derived ingredients. And then they, they called themselves kind of clean, but today any skincare brand, like 
clean is like the new normal, right? Mm -hmm. No one's launching a skincare brand with crappy ingredients, right? Mm -hmm. Or ones that are deemed to not have good reputation. So it's really like in this day, like five years ago, eight years ago, that was kind of a, you know, like, wow, this is a little more, you know, this is innovative. Some of people are choosing not to use these ingredients, Mm -hmm. but today it's all, everyone's not using anything crappy anymore. Right. So, so it's, it's not that unique anymore. There's no brand that's coming out with a quote unquote dirty skincare line. Right. So, so I think the thing is, so yeah, every brand has its interpretation. I have a great blog post on what my definition of clean beauty is. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's just kind of a, for a lot of people, it's just a big marketing play. I think, you know, you know, I think that every brand, when you formulate a product, you're, you decide what the intent of the product is. I think that what, what, what's, I think science needs to come into play. And Mm -hmm. so brands that don't embrace science, that's, that's how, that's how they're choosing to do it. But as you get older, you need some of that science in it. Now, science Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be bad, right? It doesn't mean you're going to put something on an ingredient is toxic, but like, you know, we're fighting kind of a losing battle here. Right. And Mm -hmm. so for my brand, I I choose the best from nature and I choose the best from science. Right. And so I'm kind of picking the best of everything, but also to make sure the product drives results. So I think, you know, if you're, you know, you know, if you're 20 years old and you know, you don't have any problems with your skin, sure. You can do an organic line. Right. But all of a sudden, once you kind of need to start seeing results, you're like, I don't think this is working for me anymore, but it's everyone's personal decision on how they want to, how, what kind of products they want to use. And I think you just need to trust a brand and, and, um, but at the end of the day, it's illegal to sell products that are harmful. So brands that try to really play up certain ingredients and make it sound like anyone that uses those is like trying to kill you. Like Mm -hmm. it's illegal to sell products that are harmful. Like you can't, you know, the FDA would never have that. So it's a lot of it is marketing. And this is another interesting thing. So because you hear more and more about clean, a lot of people bring animal testing into it, right? So now clean is associated. We're a clean brand and we don't do animal testing. So like Leaping Bunny or PETA, they're Mm -hmm. kind of super popular now with people getting those certifications because they want to say we do, you know, you know, we don't, we don't do animal testing, but here's the truth. In the U S you couldn't even find a lab to do animal testing, even if you wanted to, right? Like, I mean, there's no such animal testing even done in the United States anymore. China, different story. Mm-hmm. But in the U.S., if, if I wanted to start a line and I wanted it tested on animals for whatever reason, I couldn't even find a lab. So mm-hmm. when you hear a brand mm-hmm. <clears throat> promoting, mm-hmm. we don't do animal testing, it's very much marketing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just not done anymore. Literally, you can't. Now, back many years ago, you know, Roxy, you're from Dallas, but mm-hmm. I remember, so I got a Leaping Bunny certification a long time ago when it was a big deal, when animal testing was still being done. Living in Dallas, Mary Kay was there. Mary Kay was one of the brands that was kind of, that did animal testing for a long time, you know, long after, you know, it was not politically correct to do so. So, I mean, I remember those days when brands still did animal testing and I felt super proud that. I purposely, you know, got the Leaping Bunny certification and didn't do it. So it was unique back then because it was still being done. It's just not being done today. So that's just like a big myth. So anyone who's like, oh, we don't do animal testing. It's just, it's 
you just don't even do it anymore. Like yeah. you can't even you just ask any cosmetic chemist mm -hmm. to find you a place to do it. They're like, I don't even know of a place in the U.S. Oh, wow. Aren't some bigger brands still using, like you just said, that not a lot of brands use that those, you know, the dirty, mm -hmm. unclean chemicals. But don't some of these brands still use the dirty dozen, like the parabens, like the oh, BHA and BHT and the dyes and the uh, perfumes and the um, when I, I remember formaldehyde preservative, like, aren't they still using those ingredients that yes, they're not harmful. They won't kill you, but then mm -hmm. to what extent could they still damage your health when it comes to your hormones or some of them have been connected to cancer? Like aren't, aren't some of these brands still using those dirty dozen chemicals? Well, it's, it all is based on research and data, right? What is the science showing? Mm -hmm. And the whole parabens thing, I won't even go down that long road because it's kind of a long story, but there is no scientific proof that, um, you know, that parabens are harmful. There is just no data that shows it. And mm -hmm. there's a reason why all of a sudden that became buzzy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now it's just kind of frowned upon because it got such a bad reputation, but no one is showing the scientific evidence that it's harmful for you. So you really have to go back to the research because talk is cheap, right? Anyone can be like, oh, these ingredients are harmful. Show me the data, show me the research. Now, in the case of certain ingredients that, you know, you're calling dirty, it's also based on percentages, right? So like at the levels in which they're, they're being used in skincare products, there's no data to show. It's when it's extreme, high, crazy levels that would never even be put in skincare anyway. So that's really what it boils down to. You know, I'm on Clubhouse a lot and there's so many clean beauty discussions about that, but no one is able to show any proof that, you know, that the, a lot of these ingredients are bad. I mean, yes, we know like in nail polish and the high, the high amount of exposure that nail, you know, nail artists are getting exposed to with, you know, certain chemicals, but, you know, so that's, you know, there's some debate on that, but the amount of exposure is so high. It was, it was something like, I remember reading some research about how something like, you know, you would have to eat and this is eat, right? Not even smell. You would have to eat like, I, and don't quote me on this, but it was something like you would have to eat like 14 bottles of nail polish a day for, you know, 10 years for it to then, <coughs> you know, mess with your hormones, but mm -hmm. who would do that? Right. Oh my God, there is a show, there is a show on MTV of the people that eat these kind of like inedible objects. Which show is it? It's my new show, now that the like, great, great yes. baking British whatever's yes. over. And the girl literally would drink nail polish by the bottle, like oh, yes, several I've bottles seen that a day. Show. And yeah. she would take the brush and it was like a whole thing and she would lick the brush. Like, you say that's a vitamin deficiency. I think so. It's when you have low iron, you crave ice. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why when you, you eat a lot of ice when you're pregnant because you have low iron. A lot of it's deficiencies, oh. and that's why people – we digress. <laughs> yeah. Is that why I drink tequila too? Yes, you have a deficiency. Oh, yes, yes. It's okay. called a David deficiency. <laughs> right. It's called get away from me, David. I'm drinking tequila yes, deficiency. Yes. <laughs> You know, it's so funny too, Renee, because it's like, I love having experts like you on the show because I'm always so curious. I feel like if you're not an expert, you know, all these like kind of secret like things, but what are women especially not doing at home to take care of their skin that maybe you're doing? Like, 
is there maybe it's it, whether it's like frequency or a certain product that you use or like what you eat what do you think that you do that women at home are not doing I mean, so it's always about like, what's the secret, right? What's right. the secret? Yeah. And there's no magic cream um, in theory. It's, it's about making your skin a priority. The people that put in the work mm -hmm. are going to get the results. The people mm -hmm. that are lazy will get less results. Now we know that there's certain, you know, ingredients that really can be a game changer for the skin. So you also want to tap into those. So one being vitamin C, uh, you know, peptides, um, retinol or prescription retinoids. Those are kind of like in, in sunscreen, of course. Um, but those are kind of like the, the magic ingredients. Um, so just making sure you're tapping into a lot of those. Um, I think for me, um, you know, I, I haven't had a lot of sun exposure. I grew up in a lot of places with a lot of snow, you know, Boston, Minnesota, Wisconsin, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, we had two months of summer. And I mean, literally in June, there's still ice in the middle of a lake in Minnesota. So, so it's like, I just, I didn't spend a lot of time as a kid in the sun. So it's cumulative, right? Like I didn't grow up in Florida. It would, my skin would look so different if I, if I was a Florida girl. So, you know, we know that, you know, throughout a lifetime, the amount of sun exposure you get is, you know, is, is really, um, has an effect. And that's why it's so great that there's awareness of that, that now younger people are wearing sunscreen. Mothers are putting sunscreen in and, you know, hats on their children. And so they'll, you know, be better off down the road. But yeah, I just think, you know, having, uh, I have a great blog post about like 10 skincare secrets I swear by or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so that's on my blog, but it's just having good lifestyle habits and taking care of yourself and again, making your skin a priority, but sun protection. I mean, the number one reason why we'll get premature skin aging is UV light. And I say UV light, I don't say sun. Yes, sun, mm -hmm. but there's days when it's cloudy out and it's winter and, you know, people up on the East coast, they just had a snowstorm. And, but any daylight, anytime you don't have the lights on. So even in your house, all those rays come in, even on a cloudy day, rainy day, whatever. So really the best thing you could do is wear sun protection 365 days a year, sun up, sundown. Damn, we're fucked, Hannah. I know, I know. I, I, I used to do that, and now I'm just like, oh, I can't even, with the small, I have a two-year-old kid, I just was like, I'm just proud that I changed my underwear today. Yeah. I'm like, that is a win in my book. I was like, yeah. I have clean underwear. Yeah. Screw my skin. Um, but I was actually starting to research collagen, like uh, ingesting collagen. Is that something that you think can help your skin or is it just a fad? I mean, again, it goes back to science and data. There's no real science that shows that mm -hmm. it's going to have an effect. Could it help the greater good? Sure. Like, you know, and it's one of those things too, like there are certain things that you can do that you're also not going to see a result from, but they're good for you. So for example, eating carrots, eating broccoli, right? Getting antioxidants. You're not going to eat broccoli and all of a sudden your skin's going to go glow, right? But mm -hmm. you know, it's good for you because there's vitamins. So I think mm -hmm. that goes into good lifestyle habits. So I think, mm -hmm. I think ingesting collagen isn't going to hurt anyone, but there's just not a lot of proof that shows it's doing a lot, but mm -hmm. I don't personally take it because I just haven't seen data that, you know, it's just, I, I pick and choose what I'm going to invest my time in and what's mm -hmm. a priority. That's not one for me. I'd rather invest my time in not that, I mean, it takes two seconds to ingest collagen, but I'm just saying like, there's other, there's other things that I'm going to put 
my energy on and that's not one of them. Well, speaking of investments, there's so many like devices on the market right now. And so many people are giving themselves like at-home facials and they're trying to get, you know, they have a picture of like JLo up on the fridge and they like want her skin, you know, and they think like, if I purchase like one of these devices, you know, whatever it may be that I will be able to do that with these devices. What do you think about that? Like, is there a device that you think gives somebody like that kind of glowy, dewy thing that they could do at home? Or is it always best to go to your esthetician? So I'll go back to, again, time and energy, right? All those devices take time out of your life, right? Like, you know, if, you know, you have to take 10 minutes or whatever it is to use it properly. I think um, of all the devices, I think the one that is worthwhile, but again, you have to use it consistently and all the time is like the new face machine, which is like mm. the electrical muscle type stimulation microcurrent. Mm -hmm. Writing all this down, I know. <laughs> like as we're talking, sunscreen, new face machine. I have a. If you search my blog uh, for home devices, I think is what the search is or devices. I give a review of all of them, mm -hmm. but I think, but you know, it's because it's good for muscle tone, muscle tone atrophies, and you know, keeping good muscles. It's it's kind of like lifting weights, right? Like mm -hmm. if you lift some weights, you're going to get a pump in your bicep. And, and so the skin will look tighter. You get a little muscle because when you have muscles under there, they support the skin. So the skin doesn't hang as much. Now, in the case of Botox, you're trying to put those muscles to sleep. So that's a different story for forehead and whatnot. But, you know, but I think for jowls and things like that, I think that can be beneficial, but it's one of those things like doing sit-ups, right? If you do sit-ups regularly, you're going to get the results. Same with with a microcurrent machine. If you use it, you're going to get the results. But if you're only using it once in a while, don't even waste your time. It's not going to work. Oh. What about those light face? I just got one. Yeah, the face light before. mask. Thing, and I was right? like, do I open it? Do I wear it? You know, I do feel like when I go to my facialist in Los Angeles, she does use the light machine. And mm -hmm. I do notice a, a difference. But again, it could be all topical. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you feel about those light face masks? So, so Part of why when she, so if you're going to see an esthetician, she's doing a lot of different things to your mm -hmm. skin. So your skin's going to look great afterward anyway. How do you know that it was from the light, right? Mm -hmm. Was it from, because she exfoliated your skin, she did a light skin peel. Was it because she improved your skin barrier with hydration and now your skin's more light reflective? Like, was it really the light that did it? My answer is no. So the, I, you know, there is some data showing there that, um, that it can be helpful, but again, it's not an immediate gratification, right? Mm -hmm. I think of LED lights again, I don't personally use one. It's just not where I invest my time, but I think it's going to be like eating broccoli. I think it helps. It could help the greater good, but it's not one of those machines that if you do at home, you're going to take it off. And again, you're going to see this big change. And I've, and people who swear by it, I always like some of my colleagues, I'm always like, what does it actually do? Like, meaning like what kind of results people Will, will they see? And no one, they'll say, oh, the skin looks radiant. Well, mm -hmm. what's radiant mean, right? Or like, oh, it makes it look glowy. Well, that's just a really like not defined term. Now, if you mm -hmm. tell me it totally lightens brown spots, it, you know, softens lines, like, you know, then I'm going to be more convinced, but there's just, that's just doesn't seem to be the case. So that's just my opinion. So we need to get the microcurrents is what you're saying. Get the microphone. I just ordered machine. it, Roxy. It's coming right now. It's coming by the end of this Amazon. podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll say this like, get, I mean, hands down, using retinol or prescription retinoid is gonna, I mean, that has to be it, right? Okay. So it's it's always about having, 
it's what you do day in and day out, right? Mm -hmm. Every morning and night, you're doing your thing. Um, and then if you have extra time, you add on some of those things, but make sure your skincare routine is solid and you're doing all the right things. Cause that's the foundation for everything. Hmm. See Tamman, we need to be on it. Like we should be doing this every I'm night. I'm just so not on it. I get so, you know, to be honest with you, Roxy, I just, my husband had COVID, uh, Renee. So, uh, it's been five weeks and he hasn't had it for a couple of weeks, but he's struggling still with post COVID symptoms. And it's just like, I just gave like 2021. I was like, it's going to be my year. <laughs> I've like slept in my makeup for five weeks. Cause I, I, I say, I say makeup. I'm, who's putting on makeup. I'm not putting on makeup. You cannot tell the esthetician that. So, I'm so <laughs> exhausted. Two small kids have my, have my husband. I was taking care of him for three weeks. Thought he wasn't you know going to make it. Um, wow. It got really bad. It was just a horrible situation. And then you kind of, you have that PTSD and you have the post. And so you just don't put a lot of time into yourself and sure. you don't put a lot of time into your skin because when you're struggling, it's hard, you know, and I, sure. that's why I think in COVID, a lot of people aren't taking care of their skin because they're just like, fuck it. They're just like, mm -hmm. I'm to the end of my tether. I don't matter. But that is again, what we shouldn't think because when we, when we take care of ourselves, we feel better. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, Roxy, after that, yeah. Whatever I just spoke about, I'm going to start looking after my skincare starting tonight. We need to prioritize. Well, here's what I'll say. Right? Yeah. Well, but but here's what I'll say. Mm -hmm. I mean, Roxy, you're absolutely right. Like mm -hmm. you should wash your face every night, right? That's kind of a sin to not do that for estheticians. Mm -hmm. But not washing your face at night, let's talk about what that does for the skin. Not washing your face tonight is probably going to be kind of clogging your pores. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, your, your skin's going to get dehydrated because you need to wash and put moisture back in. So moisture evaporation is going to, is going to you know, be caused. And so your skin's going to look a little crepey if you're not exfoliating, blah, blah, blah. So there will be some skin textural, you know, issues, but, but really there's no major harm being done, right? Your skin's not going to be in the healthiest place. But again, knowing that sun protection is the most important thing, that's going to make the biggest difference because that's the number one cause of premature aging. So what you can do is at the very least, if you do nothing at all, if you never wash your face, never do anything, go get like a mineral powder. And let's just say you didn't wash your face at night, you woke up and you still had a full face of makeup on go grab, a, buy a mineral powder and just dust that on your face. Because then at least during the day, you're not getting the most dangerous and harmful thing to your skin anyway, right? So, you know, at the very least, just dust a powder on and get that sun protection on. And then everything else is up for grabs after that. That's a good point. I've never heard of that. Like to do like the mineral powder like that. Well, again, because it's UV light. That's what's yeah. damaging your skin. You mm -hmm. know, that's washing your face isn't going to cause you to age faster or, you know, mm -hmm. or not washing your face. It's not going to cause you to age, age factor, age, age faster. It's just going to, again, your skin's, your skin texture isn't going to look as great as it should, but that's not, you know, that's not, mm -hmm. that's not that bad. Right. So again, I mean, you had a lot of stress, can't do much children, whatever, just mm -hmm. dust on mineral powder and make sure your skin's protected from any UV light that sees it. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought it was interesting. I was um, looking at your website and looking at some of your, um, your quotes and things. And I, this one really kind of stuck with me. You said that you like to embrace a little bit of danger every day, mm. which I thought was so cool. I'm like, how dangerous are we talking? Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Is not washing your face dangerous? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what danger are we talking? Oh, yeah, is I this know. like a new development or is this something like you've always done? So... 
I've always, I call it a buzz. Mm. I've always seeking like a buzz in life, something that just gets me excited, right? Like mm. I always just, I seek that. And, and this is, I've been this way since I've, I've been, I've been a kid, you know, I was always a little rebellious, not in a you know crazy bad way, but I was the youngest of four and I was the wild child, you know, as, as many youngest children are. And I just love like, that buzz or like the feeling of just like adrenaline or just like that excitement. Right. And I think what happens when you get older, you know, you get a lot of that excitement in your teens and your twenties, right. Cause you're free and you don't have responsibility. Well, I started my first business in Wellesley mass when I was 21. So I became a business owner when I was 21, lots of responsibility, you know, everyone's at college having fun and I'm managing employees. And then I sold my half of the business, moved to Dallas, started Renee Rouleau when I was 26 and had a 25 years. So I've had a lot of responsibility from an early age. And so I always look like, how can I still have fun and get like that buzz in my life? And so I got into motorcycle riding and, mm-hmm. you know, I get into like, I don't know, just every day, I just try to look at something like going, talking to a stranger, just doing something that like, just kind of like gets me excited, right? Like gets me out of my comfort zone. I'm always looking not to be like same old, same old. I like to be keep people guessing. I like to, I don't know. So I just try to always weave little things in my life that create a little fun. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why I also like, like, you know, for workouts, like I go and do hill sprints for 20 minutes. I'll wear a weighted vest because like the buzz I I get after from working out is like Mm -hmm. just so fun for me. And you're kind of like an adrenaline drunk junkie a little bit. Yeah. 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 I am. I mean, yeah, I, for sure. And like, I'm going, on a girl's trip um, in a couple weeks, um, snowmobiling in mm-hmm. Wyoming. And, and they're basically like these dirt bikes on skis basically. And so that's super fun. And yeah, just trying to, I, but I'm defying uh-huh. aging. And what I mean by that is when we get older, you know, like, you know, we have responsibilities. We're older. That's not appropriate for you to do at your, at, at your age or whatever. And we also just get a little boring, right? Like there's less opportunities to have fun and, so I'm just always looking to like, how can I bring a little spice to my life and just keep things fun and exciting. And sometimes it's, you know, going, it's a lot of times it's just going and doing something new that I haven't done and mm-hmm. just something to keep life interesting. Mm. So you were married um, and Roxy told me this story and your husband was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. How were you able to navigate such a horrible thing to happen in your life. I, for me, maybe I, you know, I just even having this COVID um, come through our house and feeling like I might lose my husband. Sure. I don't, I didn't even know how to function. Like, I don't know. I don't know how people lose people who are their loves of their lives and then keep going. So can you explain how you were able to navigate grief? Yeah. So you know, there's usually two ways that people pass away, either instantly, right, from a car accident, or from a disease, which is a little longer term. Most people, if they die from a disease, you have a couple years advance notice, right? You know, like, you know, someone will have it, they'll fight it, they'll get better, and it comes back again. And so there's usually like a couple years in there, I would say, I mean, I don't know if that's actually accurate, but that's kind of what you hear about most. And he was, um, perfectly healthy. And, um, and then one day it got a sharp pain in his stomach and 
within about 36 hours, it became so unbearable. And he went to the emergency room. And a week later, um, they told me he had six months to live and he died two days shy of six months. So being in a doctor's office and someone being told they have six months to live and, and that was kind of generous. They gave him that, uh, the type of cancer he had, um, by the time you have symptoms, um, it's already in stage four. So, and the symptoms came on fast as they did. So I, I, uh, so, you know, we had six months notice of his past of of, that he was going to be, you know, dying and, you know, that's, it, it was uh, really challenging um, because you're trying to make sense of it, right? Like the the first weekend, I took him to Malibu and I said, let's just get out of town. Let's go to the beach. Let's just get near the water and kind of talk through this. Like, how do you even process that? You know, six months, like, are you kidding me? And, <clears throat> and, um, and yeah, we were together for 22 years and I have two stepchildren that um, I, I got to know when they were really young. And so as a family, we're all just trying to process this. And then combined with that, there was a lot of pain with his type of cancer. So watching mm-hmm. someone, you know, like when you think of someone like they have advanced notice, it, it sounds all beautiful. And, oh, you had time to have all those conversations. And it's like the movies and like, oh, it's just, you know, and it's like his cancer was associated with a lot of pain as well. So watching someone you love in a lot of pain and knowing they're dying is a really, um, you know, I just had never experienced anything like that. And also I think like, you know, we've all dealt with death and, but it's our grandparents, but you know, they were already 85, you know, it's coming. Right. Mm -hmm. And to not have any preparation of knowing it's coming was very challenging. It also made it challenging because um, my husband joined my company 12 years into the company and was our COO. So he was a leader in my company. He was my work husband and my life husband. So, so that made it really challenging because now I'm losing a leader and somebody who I trusted and really relied on. And so trying to, you know, keep my team and the, the troops supported and knowing it's going to be okay and stepping up in my leadership role, you know, was, was certainly um, a muscle I had to exercise because I'm trying to have a tough, you know, strong face for them. Um, I, I can confidently say that there were definitely times when I said a car accident would have been much easier than this, Mm. um, because of the pain that he was in was excruciating. And also he didn't want to take any medication because he knew his body was, he knew he was losing his body, but he wanted to keep his mind. And, and so he, to him, it was, he, he can handle the pain, even though it, it was just very hard to watch. And, and part of like the challenge was he had tumors on his liver that sent ammonia to his brain that caused, caused psychosis and, uh, and anger. So there were a lot of really hard times when um, he wasn't himself, but his wish was to not be medicated. Towards the end, he finally got medicated. Um, and was willing to take the medication, but so there were a lot of challenges, but looking back on it now, you know, I, I, I loved every minute of it. I wouldn't have changed a thing. We were able, he got things off of, you know, checked off his bucket list in those last six months, you know, while, you know, during the times when he did feel good, um, you know, we were able to, you know, say to each other, do we have any regrets? And, you know, to be able to be together for 22 years and, we both have no regrets in our time together. We didn't have to apologize for anything. Like we held ourselves 
you know, we respected each other. And that was certainly a proud moment. You know, I, there was just nothing I had to apologize for, nor did he. And, and that's really special to me. But I think the beauty of someone of that advance notice is you get to have those conversations mm-hmm. and they, and they can share their wishes for you. So for both me and his children, he got to, he did get to tell us all those things. And I think, you know, when, when the, the best gift we could give him is after he passes away, not, not bury our head in the sand and, and just give up, you know, there's when, when someone dies, certainly there's a piece of you that dies as well, but it it's, and it wasn't about like, don't cry Renee and be tough and strong. When I cried, I cried, you know, when I'm weak, I'm weak. It's not that I was going to not lean into that grief because that's part of the healing, but the best gift I could give him is to make him proud and carry on his legacy. And part of that, I remember, you know, when he got sick, I went, I don't think I can ride the motorcycle anymore. And he was the one that got me into motorcycle riding. And we've ridden all over the world. We've ridden in Greece. We've ridden in Cape Town. I mean, you know, that was a passion of ours. And he was like, no, Renee, you know, but I had that moment of weakness. And he's like, no, keep riding. I want you. And he actually told, he wanted me to get a new motorcycle. He, he, he worked with me to figure out what I should get. And mm-hmm. so I ended up getting a new motorcycle after he passed away. And that's the best gift I can give him is just keep on moving and, And I think that's, you know, when people can't move on, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, and and, and especially if someone died, you know, suddenly, right. Mm -hmm. They didn't get to hear those words, right. I was Mm -hmm. able to hear those words. I know what he wanted for me. And that's the best way to honor him is to, is to live my best life and, and make him proud. And that's what I've tried to do. Well, going along with that, Renee, um, you know, I followed your journey closely on social media with your posts, like as you were kind of going through everything and then even after, and I just thought it was so beautiful, um, the posts that you would put up about him, because even afterwards, he seemed very much still present, you know, and it was like, the posts were so uplifting, you know, like seeing him in those funny moments when he was clowning around and being fun. It could be, why was it important to you to kind of, you know, keep with that sort of, um, keep with the journey in that way, you know? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And thank you, Roxy. I appreciate that. Um, I asked him, mm-hmm. you know, if how he felt about me speaking publicly about this. And I've been on different podcasts, grief podcasts, and, and you know, whatever. And he wanted me to. If he wanted it to be private and me not share it, whatever, um, I would do that. But I mean, he was definitely a private person. And but he wanted me to because if his, if, you know, if his story or whatever could inspire people or help people, that's his legacy, right? At the end of the day, when someone dies, what they say is, and this is what he said, will I be remembered? Did my life make a difference? Mm. And so for me to be able to share the stories, a lot of what I shared on social media were, were those six months. How does someone handle when you're handed that news? How do they handle that? Right? Like, and he, the way he handled it and the experiences we went through, I shared those because there were life lessons in all of that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, his passing, I am, you know, the lessons I've learned from those six months and all of that journey are just the best. I mean, you just couldn't ever read that in a book. And, and so I wanted to just share all the lessons that I learned that inspire my life to today. And so, yeah, if people go back to, I guess he passed away in November of 2018. So if you go to my old Instagram posts at Renee Rouleau, 
uh, back from kind of that time frame. You can read all of them, grab a box of tissue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. But, but I, I really wanted to share the beautiful stories of things that happened. And, and that's part of just, you know, letting him know that his life didn't matter and he did make a difference. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and when I, I mean, at the time, I mean, I, and for a long time after I would get so many DMS and two separate people DM'd me and told me that they were going to kill themselves. They were going to commit suicide, but the stories I shared they didn't because of Florian. And I mean, I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? But he would have loved that, you know, like that's who wouldn't have loved to, you know, know that your life made a difference and he saved two lives that I know of. And, you know, it's just beautiful. So I think, um, you know, I, it, grief is really hard. Mm. I, 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 I didn't, I thought grief was every day would get better. So Mm -hmm. first week I'd say, okay, I made it past a week. If I can make it past a week, I can make it past two weeks. And all of a sudden week five hits and I'm crying as much as I did week one. And I go, wait a minute, this isn't supposed to happen this way. Well, I quickly learned that like, it's going to do what it's going to do. And so part of a lot of the lessons I learned um, through his passing is surrendering, you know, mm-hmm. surrendering. We, we try to control everything. We think we can control everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember like the nurse, the hospice nurse. So when, when you're being a caretaker for someone who's sick, it gets to the point where he starts to lose his appetite and you associate that with, okay, this is the end. He's not hungry anymore. So all of a sudden he's starting to lose weight. And as a caregiver, you're trying to force him to eat, right? Because I'm like, oh my gosh, because to me, food is how you sustain yourself. So if he's not eating, he must be dying. And somehow I have this control over if I can get him to eat, I'm going to keep him to live, right? And I think Mm -hmm. most people would do that. And so he wouldn't want to eat. So I would talk to the hospice nurse. I'm like, he's not wanting to eat. Like, what can I do? You know, she says, Renee, if he doesn't want to eat, don't make him eat. That's his body's, his body is going through this process. Mm-hmm. And if his body is not wanting to accept food, you know, respect that, like the, his body will tell him what he needs. And, mm-hmm. and it was just like that surrendering, you know, of mm-hmm. just like, somehow I thought if I could get him to eat a banana, I'm going to make him live longer. And, and so learning to let go and learning to accept death mm-hmm. and, and, and really just surrender the body's going to do what it's going to do. And I can't, I don't have the power to interfere with that. Mother nature Mm -hmm. is far too strong than me. And so, so yeah, so there was just so many surrendering lessons in it and, and surrendering to grief, surrendering to Mm -hmm. to crying, surrendering to what is. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so again, I try to use social media as a way to share a lot of those life lessons that we can all use in our life. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah. Do you feel like you feel him still? I always think like if someone, I've never... Um, I haven't lost anyone that close to me yet. And I know that there's a time that that will happen. And the only thing I've had is some, you know, a lot of miscarriages and one was a terrible miscarriage. And I feel like I still feel that baby. Mm. Um, but do you ever feel your husband or see him or smell like smell Mm. his presence? So it's a great question. So Mm -hmm. someone gave me the advice that before he passed away, and again, this is the benefit of having someone having an advance notice. They said, Mm -hmm. Renee, um, ask him after you pass away, 
how like will you come out in an object how will i know you're still there mm. so some people will be like if you see a butterfly that's me mm -hmm. if you see a bird if you see whatever so he said well i'll have to think about that and so a couple of days later <laughs> And this is just so him, which is such a great story. Actually, I did post this on social media. So <laughs> there's this, <laughs> sorry, just the funniest thing. So there's this lady, I live downtown Austin. <laughs> there's this lady kind of across the street and she had this car and her car alarm was broke. And so every time she opened up her car, this horn <laughs> would be going off. And it was super annoying to him, especially when he was sick on the couch and it'd be midnight and this lady's <laughs> getting home late and this car alarm would go off. And so he said, I'm going to come back. Is that lady's car alarm? Every time you hear this car alarm go off, he goes, I'm there. And so <laughs> so every time oh this woman's car alarm would go oh. off and, they, ah, 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 <laughs> and it would take her like i don't know it would take her like two minutes to turn the thing off and so so there were definitely moments when i would feel him think about him and then the car alarm would go yeah off. he's there anytime i hear a car alarm that's when i know he's there but i do I think I feel him more in how I operate my life, right? The wisdom I got from him and getting out of my comfort zone, saying yes to things, right? Like, so that's where I feel kind of the strength that he gave me because mm -hmm. I also had to be strong when he was sick and I, and I had to be strong once he wasn't there. I mean, I didn't realize how much safety you have when someone's by your side for 22 years and, and having that Band-Aid ripped off and feeling like I lost an arm or a leg. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that Mem was memories too. I always think yeah. about you lose your memories. Like if you're with someone for that long and you travel, like we all do the time you're in France or whatever was with that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where's that memory? Right. You have right. It with yourself. Yeah, right? ex exactly. So, so yeah, I just, you know, I, you know, it took me a while to really kind of get out of my comfort zone and, and feel that strength to like, I think I've, I always told people like, I compare it to like a baby deer, what's it like mm -hmm. a fawn or a doe yeah. or whatever it's called. But, you know, the baby comes out and they've got those wobbly legs and they're, you know, it took me a long time to not have those wobbly legs. And I've been really good about surrounding myself with great people, choosing mm -hmm. new friendships and people who, you know, I, you know, just you are who you surround yourself with. And I've really created a new life for myself and people who um, just, you know, have really been compassionate to what I went through and, but also encouraged me to, to get out of my comfort zone and kind of get back into a new life because it's a new life, but, but no different than when people get divorced, right? Like mm -hmm. divorce is the same thing. It's a loss, right? Mm -hmm. It's a loss of a partner and you have to kind of start a whole new life over again. And so now it's been like two years and two months or whatever, but like, I love my life and I, and I know he's proud and, and I, and I really just, I have a renewed purpose and, and, and I can say I'm really happy. So, you know, I really, it's interesting too, because it's like when you have been with somebody for so long, you know, you're used to having another person there. So when you have a change like this, and especially as it time passes and it goes, it goes on, do you leave yourself open to the possibility of loving again, of like finding mm -hmm. someone else? Or is that like, not even like on your radar, like, or is it just like day by day? 
yeah. So, I mean, he wanted me to find love again. He wanted me to date and, um, I've actually been dating someone for a year and a half. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, it's, and I didn't see it coming. I wasn't looking for anything that was, you know, I'm just, again, I was just trying to get my legs strong again to stand, but I've just learned that, you know, life is unpredictable and you just surrender to what comes its way and, and be open and just, and, and live one day at a time and just be open to the craziness of this world. I mean, you just never know what, I mean, I learned, you know, like someone's healthy and then they're not, you know, mm-hmm. and you just never know what life, you know, brings itself, but just being open to all the beauty that comes with it. I think, you know, his life was a gift. And his death was a gift, you know, like it just, again, the lessons I learned, because the reality is we're all going to die, right? I mean, he, he died sooner than I would have wanted. He died, you know, he didn't want to die this soon, but he died at, um, he was almost 60. He was 11 years older than me, but I mean, that's a good long life, you know? I mean, he wasn't dying when he was 18, you know? So a lot of people like, oh, life's not fair, whatever. I'm like, you know, there's, there's no guarantees for any of us. No one says we're going to live to a hundred, like we could all be gone tomorrow. And so, and certainly, you know, Tamman with your husband, like that's a close call. Like you didn't see that coming. And so I think, you know, it's really about, you know, embracing today, you know, I mean, it's all cliche, but you know, living the best, loving the best and not really worrying about tomorrow because today is all we have. Mm -hmm. So Thank you so much. That is, oh, that's the best advice. Isn't this it? has been a wonderful, um, just I, it, you know, Roxy and I, our biggest fears are death. <laughs> yeah, we and, do. Uh, before we, we go to it. sleep, I, I panic all the time about dying. And so does Roxy. We talk about it a lot on the podcast and it really is that idea of surrender because I think we all have control issues. Um, and that's probably even now during COVID while everyone, why everyone's freaking out so much is because we just have no control over it. Yeah. And, um, if we learn to accept and surrender, I think our lives would be so much better and greater and yeah. richer. That's, um, I mean, that's the secret, you know, that's right. a secret. Hard to do, I mean, I, but it's the secret. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I too was fearful of death, very fearful mm. of death. And, and I'm no longer feel fearful of death. I mean, I watched my husband die and in front of my very eyes in my home, he, he died at home. And I also, um, and this was kind of interesting. So my sister-in-law was over from France cause my husband was French and, and he was cremated. And actually I have his diamond made into ashes, which is what his request was. And so I went to the cremation. That's not an American thing to do. And my sister-in-law was like, oh, I'm going to go. And I'm like, what? Like, I, you know, I would never do that. And that's how they do it in other countries. And she said, yeah, I'm going to be there. So I chose to go with her and I watched my husband be cremated. Now, I mean, he was in a box and, you know, I mean, you didn't see details, but, you know, pushing him into the oven and wow, I never thought I watched that, but it was beautiful. And, and again, it was just such a gift to really embrace what life is and what death is. And so I do not fear death anymore. Um, again, it's surrender. It's understanding that we're all going to die and, and just, you know, I really don't, you know, I, I, I ride motorcycles. I could die any moment. I'm not going to not do that. And even with COVID, you know, like I'm not, I wasn't going to let COVID take me down. Like now that's not to say I was being reckless and not being responsible and, and wearing a mask, but 
I am not going to give into that fear. I ride a motorcycle. There's a, you know, I could die. I know the risks. Right. And, but I'm certainly not going to let, you know, COVID put me in a, a mental state of living in fear. And part of, you know, getting out of my comfort zone and adrenaline and, and things I like, it's because I'm, I'm not going to live a life of fear. Like I'm not going to, I, I fight every day to not be scared. And the world is a scary place, especially mm-hmm. now, but I just refuse. And, you know, that's just how I operate. So yeah. wow. well, life so lessons. Much. Yeah. I think we need to, we need to like, let go a little bit, Tam. And like, we're a little too. Con- I don't know how to do that without <laughs> some kind of alcohol or something. <laughs> I don't think I've ever really let go. Not really. Well, that's not true. Both my births, because the first birth I thought I was like when they um, put the epidural down my spine, I it, I reacted to it. I think I told mm-hmm. you my blood pressure. That was no. there's a few times I felt like I was dying, but those were two times that it didn't react well to me. And the second birth, I said, okay, if this is it and you're gonna die, then mm-hmm. you have to let go. I think that was the only time that I've had to surrender is birth because there's no other way. You can't get sure. that baby out unless yeah. you completely surrender. You do. And you're going through a major surgery. I mean, anything. Awake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, awake. let's go back to that day and bring all the PTSD back up. Yes. Let's t- torture moms as yeah. much as we possibly can. I mean, it was great. It was easy. It was C-sections are great. It's a great option, guys. Super yeah. easy. So fun. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for listening oh. to the show. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, subscribe and, comment. and comment. Oh, wait, before we go, can we just maybe do like two Mythbusters with Renee if she's got two minutes is that possible yeah yeah okay just because you are the expert and we've got to know these things sure right Roxy always we always finish a podcast and Roxy's like okay let's go back and the guests are like (laughs) oh my god (laughs) I'm not letting you go just yet (laughs) basically we ask you myths that you can either say are truth or false so pretty simple um so basically okay let's let's try one out Okay. This goes back to like, kind of like the facial side of things. Vitamin C serum is not shelf stable in serums and moisturizers. So it's pretty much a waste of money. So you most definitely should buy a vitamin C serum that is in a type of bottle where air and light can't, can't get to it. So if you think about like an orange, uh, excuse me, an apple. So if you take a bite of an apple and you set it down on the counter and you let it sit there over a course of time, it will turn brown, right? It's Mm -hmm. oxidizing. Mm -hmm. So, so that's what's happening. The skin, the skin is oxidizing basically. And so a vitamin C serum, you want to make it as stable as possible and not, you know, so you wanted an airless packaging, ideally, Mm -hmm. a lot of brands don't have airless packaging, but basically once the the product starts to turn brown and discolors, Mm -hmm. that's when you know it's starting to change and it's not going to be as effective. So if you're using one that's starting to change, I mean, you just want to make sure you're using it every day. Mm -hmm. Um, But you also want to look for formulas that are, you know, stabilized and and there's things added to it to kind of keep it fresher longer. But yeah, Mm -hmm. vitamin C is not one of those products you just want to pull out and use once in a blue moon. It should be part of your every morning routine. Mm -hmm. Popping pimples causes scars. So what causes scars is the pimple itself, because when you have um, an infection in the skin and a bump, um, it stretches, as long as there's that infection in there, it stretches the surrounding skin tissue and sends off a response to create pigment. So even if you never touched it, you're still going to get a little mark. Now it's going to go away 
you know, faster if you don't pick at it, but a blemish itself, you're never going to get a blemish. That's not going to leave some sort of pink or dark or purple type mark, but picking at it incorrectly um, is going to make, is going to make that mark longer. That's why you need to be really strategic about how you handle your blemishes. And I have a great blog post called how to get rid of a blemish fast. Mm -hmm. um, and I suggest people read it because it's all geared to how to make it go away fast, which is what everyone wants and also make the least amount of scarring. Mm, okay. So there's your homework. That's homework. Okay, two more. We can do this. Okay. 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 Let's see. How about, Oh, fragrance is one way that brands hide chemicals in products. Oh my gosh. So what's the shortest possible answer I can give on that? <laughs> so you can go to dinner on time. <laughs> I know, like, I that's, go. A, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Let me just say this. So there are, there's a lot of myth busting that needs to be done with that one. Okay. It goes back to the percentages used. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the source of the fragrance. Mm. Um, it the EU has different regulations for fragrances than the US does. Um, and so a, a lot of the buzz now is like, well, the EU doesn't use it and, and Americans still use them. So, you know, somehow we're doing something wrong if they're kind of having more restrictions on them. Mm. So um, there is, there is no data that fragrances used in the right percentage are causing problems, mm. I guess is what I'll say. Okay. Sleeping makes you look younger. Like sleeping mm. properly, good sleep hygiene, eight hours sleep a night. Who gets that when you have kids? <laughs> but like seven to eight hours sleep a night consistently throughout your life will make you look younger. So I will, sleep is important. Obviously your body heals. I mean, you need sleep, right? So you should always get sleep. Sleep will reduce stress and there's, you know, which could create less inflammation in the body versus someone that's pulling out all nighters every night. But from a skincare standpoint of it looking younger, that is not the case because when you sleep on a pillow, depending on, on how you sleep on it, it's like ironing wrinkles into your skin. Mm. How do so you sleep like for example, on your back. So I have a whole, I, I have a whole blog post all about sleeping and pillows and whatnot. But for example, I can look at someone, I mean, not hundred percent of the time, but in general, I can look at someone over the age of 40 and look mm. at their skin and I can tell you how they sleep. If they're a side sleeper, or they're know, a back sleeper. You can so, so I mean, so, I mean, yes, we all need sleep, get a good night's sleep. Right. But you know, you are cre creating folds in the skin mm -hmm. and, and a lot of it's also from sun damage when you lose the integrity of the skin because collagen is being depleted and elasticity. So they're all kind of tied in together, but I, I wouldn't. Yeah. So if you're talking about visible aging, mm -hmm. you know, pillows. So and is there a sleep pillow? Where yeah. Is it the silk pillow? Your face? Well, I don't like silk pillows. No, I, mean, I don't use a silk pillow, okay. but some people do like them, but I think there are ones that like prop your head in a certain way and uh -huh. et cetera. So yeah, there are brands that make those. I don't use it. Like to me, it's just not worth what it. Do you but use? What do you use? Um, I use, well, actually I, so I have this blog post of how I sleep on pillows. Okay. So I use a firm pillow and I actually put a diagram of how I sleep oh. on the pillow. Um, and maybe I'll quickly see if I can pull it up here. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I put a little diagram of how I sleep on pillows. I have strategically forced myself 
to sleep like with my head hanging off my pillow as much as I can. So, and do you think when you're in deep REM sleep that you're still in that position? It's funny because when I, when I do kind of wake up, I I've trained myself and that's crazy that I can, but I will go back. I will, <laughs> yeah. I will like kind of go back. I think it's just like a habit now. So I will. Well, that's where your skin looks like that. Tammy. I know it's insane. Yeah. So what's the best way to sleep? So I do a little description in the whole blog. Okay, I think I sleep there. like that. I think no, I, I sleep like that. I definitely have a have- side sleeper. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, and there's pros and cons of sleeping on your back versus the side, right? Mm -hmm. At some point, something's getting squished, you know? So anyway. Damn. We got lots to do, Tammy. I think (laughs) Renee has to go to dinner. I know. We've got to buy more pillows. I need (laughs) to buy face machines, pillows, get the sunscreen out of them tonight (laughs) or tomorrow, just in case. (laughs) Upload the podcast. Yes. Yes. So much to do. It never ends. Well, again, guys, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. And, comment. We give and you Renee, this- where is the best place to find you? ReneeRelo.com. Uh, Renee Rolo is my personal Instagram page. And Renee Rolo Skincare is my company Instagram page. And uh, I have a lot of, um, I'll be putting your podcast on my website because I have all my podcast interviews on my about page. But take the skin type quiz and get the best skin of your life. And she has the best products. Tamina and I both use your products. They are amazing. Yes. Yes, I saw that. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks guys for listening right. to another Thank amazing you. show. Um, and we are Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. And I am Tamin Sursak. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women, Women on. on- Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.